I've now created competition in that space. Really? And what happens when we create competition in this space? We drive the prices down. When I drive prices down, I hard cost out. Absolutely. I would drop my mic, but it's on an arm. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Welcome to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground, where we talk about supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity with everyone from academics, historians, and business leaders. With your hosts, Chloe Guidry-Reed and Adam Moore, you'll hear inspiring stories and practical tips for overcoming challenges and gaining insight into supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity. Let's dive in. This episode is brought to you by Higher Ground. Higher Ground is a technology company whose mission is to bridge the wealth gap through access to procurement opportunities. Higher Ground is making the enterprise ecosystem more viable, profitable, and competitive by clearing the path for minority-led, women-led, LGBT-led, and veteran-led small businesses to contribute to the global economy as suppliers to enterprise organizations. For more information on getting started, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E-G-R-O-U-N-D.io. Now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. You're joined again by your two favorite hosts. I'm Adam Moore here with Chloe Goodry-Reed, and today we're going to break down how you can leverage your supplier diversity program as an effective sales strategy. You know, I was actually talking to a CPO at one point, and we were talking about uh, supplier diversity strategies, and I, I, kind of, I kind of turned him on his head. And I looked him in the eye, and I made a statement. I was like, look, if you have a leader in your supplier diversity program that thinks all they're supposed to do is be an expense, and all they're supposed to do is just bring you diverse suppliers, you got the wrong person. In, in that the position. Role. Absolutely. You got the wrong person because your supplier diversity manager needs to understand you can be a revenue generating cost center as well, right? Yes. Because think about who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the markets you want to get into every yes. day. So your supplier diversity program, guess what? It can be a sales avenue for you as well. Absolutely. Because, I mean, there's lots of data that shows companies that allocate 20% or more of their spend to diverse suppliers Mm -hmm. can really attribute that directly. I think it's anywhere upwards of 15%, 10 to 15% of their annual sales to the supplier diversity programs. I mean, that's an amazing statistic. So tell me of any other ad campaign you can have or run that dollar for dollar, you spend a dollar, you get a dollar in sales that you're running right now. I can't think of a single one. No, I can't either. I can't either. So you're, you've got a, a sales neutral ad campaign that gets the first sale, then I'm not spending anything additionally to get the second and third sale. Right. I mean, that's pretty radical guys and gals out out there listening to us. So, you know, let's break this down a little bit today, right? Let's really kind of get into this because this is, I don't know about you, Chloe, I don't hear a lot of people in our space talking about supplier diversity being a sales, a revenue generator. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't either. And I don't think that companies often think about it. I think they often think of supplier diversity as more of a mandate or something that is good for us to do, falls under corporate responsibility or ESG. But I think the true, true impact is really thinking about how do we leverage this program to grow our business, Mm -hmm. lining Mm -hmm. up our supplier diversity program and the needs that we have with our organizational strategy and potentially 
potentially right. partnering with diverse suppliers who off, often do the exact same thing that we do, but letting right. them maybe lead the way on some of these opportunities that we couldn't get in the door in because, you know, clients want to find a diverse supplier. I mean, there's right. so many different avenues that companies can look at. I mean, and that's just scratching service, right? So we're talking about a, a strategic or tactical partnership. Right. Right. Exactly. That's an amazing way. And and everybody, please understand now in today's new era, new reality, whatever we want to call it, <laughs> the, the attention to diverse suppliers, the attention to looking for black entrepreneurs is heightened. Yes. Your Fortune yes. 100 companies, they are on a mission. Some are doing it better than others, but they are on a mission yes. to find new black suppliers. They yes. are. That is a it's a reality, whether you like it or not. It's a reality. OK, yes. and you have to realize if you don't fall into that category, yeah, it could cut into what you're doing. So guess what? We need to be doing what we should have been doing a long time ago. Yes. And that is partnering companies together instead of competing. Guess what? You make a lot of money. You do. You make a lot of money partnering, not competing. Right. And I mean, I try to teach that principle to my protégés all the time. Right. Partner with somebody. Shoulder the responsibility. But oh, my goodness. I mean, we're you meet so many fantastic black leaders out there. It should be a no-brainer to form these tactical relationships. So talk about a revenue stream. Oh my gosh, a huge revenue stream. That's why I feel doubled like- Doubled your sales force. That's exactly it. You've doubled your sales force. So oftentimes companies are thinking, okay, well, supplier development is really sort of an afterthought when it really yeah. needs to be part of your yeah. core strategy because the more yeah. you develop these suppliers and the more you arm them with- understanding your business, when they're out talking to their customers and prospects, they can be selling for you. It's co-selling. Microsoft does this so well. Oh, oh yes. my gosh. Guys, take a page from the Microsoft playbook. I mean, really, truly, that's a brilliant, brilliant example, right? Yeah, I mean, they have yeah. bars all over the place. Absolutely. And the yeah. same for Office Depot. I mean, and their strategy is really oh, part yeah, great one. partnering with companies that that do very much so similar things that they do. I mean, if Microsoft, you know, we have vendors that go in and make installations and, and co-sell our products. So they don't necessarily have to take on the expense of having these full-time employees. And now, oh, by the way, by utilizing these suppliers, not only are they helping us service our clients, but they're also bringing in all these clients into the door. Right. So it's just it's a it's it's a different way that I think companies oftentimes miss the opportunity mm -hmm. on how to properly leverage mm -hmm. supplier diversity and the network of your supply base. Right, right. I mean, all too often we dumb down supplier diversity to oh, we need to make sure we're spending X percent with a yeah. disadvantaged group. Yeah. No. Come on, guys. Let's take the conversation further than that. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we have to report it. We have to show those numbers. Let's just just talk reality. CSR is a real thing. Right. We have to report the numbers. We have to show the growth. Okay. Great. Do that. But don't stop there. That's my point. Don't right. stop there. Okay. Yeah. And to your point, Chloe, we think of business development as say, oh, I'm going to come in and teach you a few business principles, maybe right. help them see some things differently, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's good. If it's you're good. doing that, it has its place. Please don't stop. Yep. Yes. Please don't stop. Right. But think about it, especially in the larger enterprises and especially in the financial vertical. The name of the game is efficiency, right? We make our money by being more efficient than the guy beside us. Where do you lose a lot of efficiency in your supply chain? Bringing on new suppliers. It is, right? You lose money in the negotiation process because you got to spend days, months at the negotiation table. Yeah. You lose time in the onboarding. You lose time in getting them up to speed. And sometimes they're just coming in fresh to the FI. They have no idea what's going on. Right. So we put this, so we do these mentoring programs and everybody knows Chloe and I love mentoring. So don't get me wrong. 
I will continue to mentor. Yeah. But supplier diversity as a revenue generator, think about it. If you have a supplier development program and you tailor them to your industry specifically, right. and you make them a rock star for your industry, guess what you just did? You just increased efficiency on the front end. On the front end. On the front end. And by increasing that, if they, now they plug in and they're off to the races. They already know what to expect. They already know what that contract's going to look like. They already know why that stuff is in the contract. Absolutely. Right. And once you, and if you make them efficient, guess what they get to do? They get to grow their business. And the more they grow, the more they can service you. Now this efficiency just starts to have a uh, almost doubling effect as it continues to grow on itself. Yeah. Not only the efficiency pieces, but the innovation pieces too. Oh my goodness. You, you, oh yeah, that's a great one. You made me speechless. I couldn't even complete my own thought after you said that. (laughs) Because yeah, I mean, utilizing diverse suppliers also really drives innovation. And I think sometimes companies miss that. I mean, having a diverse supply chain really helps your organization procure products and services that you wouldn't otherwise have in your arsenal of, of all the things that you're doing. And we know, I mean, we all know this about corporations. They can't innovate as fast as small businesses do. There's way too much red tape and they may not even have the manpower, even if they have 30,000 employees to reach a certain, you know, tiny market that they're trying to break into that can then open up to a much, much larger market. So I think oftentimes like just being thoughtful about your strategy and okay, if we want to be innovative in this space, instead of, you know, creating this, you know, four or $5 million budget internally, is there a diverse supplier right. that can help us with, with speed and, and bring this same innovation while we're also connecting right. to the community and, and, and growing the economy, local economy? Right, exactly. And that's the key too, right? Growing the local economy just makes it better for everybody. Everyone. Right? Everyone, everyone. So think about that. Supplier diversity as a revenue generator. If I'm putting more money into the community, guess what the community has more money to do with? Buy my Spend. goods and services. Exactly. Spend. Consumption exactly. goes way right. up. Tax does. revenue goes way up. Thank you. Right. Exactly. And I mean, that's another thing to think about also. I mean, the tax revenue alone, that's an amazing generator too. Absolutely. So we have got to move the conversation from, oh, we've got to do this. this is the right thing to do. We need to reach back. I mean, that's great. Those are great conversations. Don't think I'm going to stop them by any stretch of the imagination. But the next step forward is how do we break supplier diversity out of kind of this silo that we've all put it in? Every last one of us is guilty about putting supplier diversity in the silo of I'm just here to increase my spend with diverse suppliers, right? Yeah. I'm just here to meet this mandate that my boss or just the company has given us. Yeah. Let me just talk to my supplier diversity professionals out there in corporate America here for a second. If I hear another one of you say that, we're going to have a very long conversation because uh, I can't tell you how many times I get the, well, I, you know, we're just, we're just reporting. We, we just do reporting. Okay. Then please don't say you have a supplier diversity program. You have yeah. a fancy, you have a fancy expense reporting program. Yes. Compliance. Okay. You know, you have a compli- that's it. That's it, Chloe. You have a compliance program. Yeah. Right. That's what it is. But if we're going to do so. Supplier diversity, everybody, we got to have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And what does inclusion really look like? And how do we... Thank you. You know, what does inclusion really look like? And then how do we create and build more suppliers based on the needs of these corporations? You know, we've had so many conversations. That's it too. So think about that. So we're keeping in the same theme, right? And I can't tell you, and I know other industries suffer from this too, but like we all know, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, I'm in the financial district. How many times we've come across things that there are no diverse competitors for? Yes. Yeah. 
Right. Now, there are some things. Are we going to find a diverse competitor to compete with Microsoft? We're not going to find another white competitor to compete with Microsoft. Okay, let's just put that on the table. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. Right. Uh, So there are some things that we all just realized. That's just the industry. Okay. But there's a lot of different goods and services that that banks and investment firms and manufacturing firms need that there just are not diverse suppliers to. But you know what happens is we sit there as corporates to go, hmm. Didn't find them. And then we move on. Right. Right. Why aren't we? And maybe this is happening. Maybe somebody can come back and go, oh, no, Adam, this is happening. And I'm going to be like, thank you for letting me know that. But, you know, you have the billion dollar roundtable. I know the NMSDC has got an initiative out there to try to start buying firms to create black entrepreneur um, opportunities. Mm. We as corporates need to be going back to them saying, hey, we need diverse ownerships in X, Y and Z services. Yes. I've not been reached out to by them for that. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not in the billion dollar roundtable either, but I'm just but saying. How would you get there if you don't have the support of some of these advocacy agencies? And there comes our issue with the billion dollar roundtable. Anyhow, yeah. we've got to, as corporates, reach out and say, we don't see anybody in this space as an yeah. industry, as an industry group, right? And I cannot, uh, cannot stress the importance of industry groups enough in this work. As an industry, we don't see people and diverse suppliers in this particular sector service product. What can we do as an industry to get somebody stood up? Right. Now that's development. That is serious development. I mean, that's roll your sleeves up. That's roll your sleeves up development. And then, so now they're like, okay, that's great, Adam. Tie it back to the revenue part, please. Okay, I will. Here we go. Because guess what? My diverse suppliers on an RFP or any competitive bid situation always, always come in under the traditionally owned firms. Mm, Of course. They just do. Now, I want to dispel something. You know, this, we are so rabbit trailing on this show today, but it's so much. (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. It's okay. okay. Everybody just stay with it. Very good issues. Diverse suppliers, lower and competitive competitive bids. I've now created competition in that space. Really? And what happens when we create competition in this space? We drive the prices down. When I drive prices down, I hard cost out. Absolutely. I would drop my mic, but it's on an arm. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. Yeah. So revenue generating in a lot of forms. So sales, but also expense management, right? And just increasing just your profit margins. So, I mean, I just think that there's so many things that companies need to explore outside of the traditional. If you've got a supplier diversity program in place already, wonderful. How can we take it to the next level? Right. Right. Yes. Challenge them. Challenge them. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen a lot of development programs recently come up and, you know, I think some of them seem to be good. I, I feel I, I want to caution some of these companies to not just jump on this bandwagon of creating, oh, we're going to create this incubator program or we're going to create this X, oh, you know, yes. and it's like, let's really be thoughtful. And I mean, you don't necessarily have to have this huge PR stunt. I mean, you don't even necessarily have to reach out. It's like, let's look at the diverse suppliers that we already have in our supply chain. How can we grow them and spend more with them and then figure out how we can then help them spend more with their vendors and grow their businesses because they already are meeting our needs. So let's go ahead and just help and focus on the that are already in the pipeline. Because now we're talking about the ecosystem. Yes. Right. Yes. Now we're broadening the conversation to the ecosystem. Absolutely. And 
Now we're making impact, right? Now we're changing lives. Now we're changing communities. Now we're touching generations. Yes. That's meaningful. That's meaningful work. It is super meaningful work. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think in addition to that, and I've said this so many times, is like when you are doing this work, making sure that you're celebrating it by telling the story. Sometimes companies just miss the opportunity to share with all their various stakeholders what is the impact that we're doing, you know, and, and really being intentional about it. So I think those those kind of conversations, if you are doing and, and, and leveraging sales, really demonstrating the ROI, whether it be through community actions, through PL management, through expense management, increased revenue, but being able to tell that story to leadership and all of your various stakeholders, because that's how you can continue to get funding and additional help and support on your teams. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And if you are sitting around and you're a mighty team of one, don't settle for that. Yeah. Right. If you're a mighty team of one on your supplier diversity program and a majority of you guys are out there, I get it. You know, I did not have the luxury of having the big team that we have now. Uh, it was one before I got on there. Then there was two for of us for a number of years. So I get it. Yeah. But if you're not sitting around going, how do I grow the program? What do I need to do to demonstrate a need inside my program? Because you're not going to get the budget. Let's all face it. That's another hard reality. If we're going to talk about hard realities right. this morning, if you don't demonstrate the need, you're not going to get the budget, not in corporate America. So you've got to sit around. You've got to think about these type of things and show the need, show the impact and show the return back to the company on not just revenue, but also in reputation. It's a monster story. Yeah. I think another thing that you know, supplier diversity professionals could do is tap into their national head of sales. Yes. Or their sales leaders on the local regions because just to spur a conversation, because, you know, obviously it, it varies from industry to industry, but how can we help the sales team and the sales force by leveraging supplier diversity and going over whatever the strategy is with the sales leaders and saying, okay, well, you know, if we're trying to get into the Fortune 200 or Fortune 300, let's leverage our supplier diversity strategy to do that because guess what? They all have programs and that's a great way to get into the door and really thinking about, okay, we, if we've got tons of competition, like, I mean, I think about the insurance industry for us, like completely saturated. I mean, if, Mm -hmm. you know, any of them got their hands around a really good supplier (laughs) diversity strategy. I mean, it would take their, it would skyrocket their revenue to just through the roof. It would be, it would be crazy. Right. I mean, the same thing happened to me. I actually was talking, now get this. I was actually talking to my director of multicultural marketing. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Just everybody let that sink in for a second. Okay. We're having a conversation. We're talking about small business owners, the multicultural marketing director. Yeah. And the statement was made to me, it was like, man, we need to figure out some ways to meet some new, small, diverse business owners. I'm like, you mean like the entire thousand contacts I have in my Rolodex right now? Right. Those people, this, would you like to meet? <laughs> Elson, the light bulb went on. And it, I mean, you could almost see like light radiate from this man's face after my comment. He's like, those are exactly the people we need to be talking <laughs> Sometimes, guys, it's as simple as that. People just don't connect A and B together. I mean, you sit there, supplier diversity going, well, everybody must understand that I talk to small and diverse business owners like every every day, day, all day. day. Like, that's my job. (laughs) But they don't put it together. They just don't put it together. You're right. They're like, okay, yeah. So Adam brings in diverse business owners and then their thought stops. They don't sit there and go, oh, that was also a potential customer that just walked in. Yes. Yeah. Right. I just don't think they, I don't think they think about that. No. 
No, no, exactly. And get exactly. and the, the thing is, is like sometimes I think they're dismissive because they're small, but small, but corporations who are small businesses that are working with large corporations are not usually that small. I mean, we're talking about five no. a minimum, they're no. doing five million, you know, a year, something like well, that. I was or about more. To say. And so it's like now you have a whole network that you can now potentially yeah. market to if you treat them oh, like yeah. a customer, a potential customer. Yeah, I think it is. And don't don't quote me on this, everybody. Please go look it up. But I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> I do believe the SBA the SBA definition of small business for technology and manufacturing. Oh yeah, I know this. Fifteen million dollars. Actually, it's still class. It's higher than that. Yeah, because we're we're um, technology. So anything under forty five million is still forty five. It's still considered small business to the SBA for okay. technology. I'm going to tell you something. I know Chloe and I know a lot of small technology yep. business owners. Yep. They don't consider themselves small of $45 million no, people. No. That's, that is a lot of money. It is. That is a lot of money. And let me tell you what, they need to do something with it. They, do. they either need to invest it. They need to buy goods and services. They probably need to procure whatever you are doing. Or they need probably business banking services at a next level. You know, I mean, tons, the, the possibilities are endless are endless. They are. They are endless. They are endless. So I think we've come up, we've, we've done two things I think really well today. One, we were all over our favorite word in the whole wide world. That, that is intentionality. intentionality. If you guys did not hear, we should put that on our intentional. podcast cover, like just across it, like how they have I mean, sensor, yeah, just, which is intentionality. Yes. Intentionality. <laughs> Boom. You've got to be intentional. If you're going to do supplier diversity, be intentional about it. If you're going to leverage supplier diversity to do something more than be a feel-good measure, be intentional about it, right? All the way through. Think it all the way through. The second pillar that we have talked about is you can't have silos in your business. And this goes out to anybody. I don't care if you're a Fortune 5,000, a startup, a Fortune 50. We so quickly silo ourselves. And sometimes we don't realize we've done it. Right. Right. It's like, okay, well, this person handles finances and that person procures goods and this person is in sales. You've got to be, we've got to be more horizontal in our business structures. Absolutely. Right. So small business owners, listen to me, be horizontal when you're sitting down. I tell my proteges all the time, write out, even if it's on a piece of notebook paper and a pencil, write out what your org structure looks like. Yeah. And if it goes up and down your page, we need to redo it. It needs to go left to right. Left to right. Absolutely. Left to right. Absolutely. Well, I mean, if this episode was helpful to you, be sure to leave us some reviews on Apple Podcasts and be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn at Chloe Reed and Adam Moore. And if you've enjoyed this episode, check out previous shows and stay tuned. I know I did. (laughs) Stay tuned for the next time. See you soon. Thank you for listening to Breaking Barriers, Building a Higher Ground. We are grateful for the time you spend with us in participating in these conversations. Please review and rate and share our show as we are focused on growing awareness in the supply chain inclusion and supplier diversity space. If you'd like more information, please visit us at higherground.io. That's H-I-R-E ground dot I-O. Thank you for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week.